Hello everyone. Uh, welcome to the second session of our AI broadcast series. So here we aim to discuss, highlight and provide a perspective on all things AI. So for today's discussion, we will be talking about AI hardware. In May this year, uh, the Washington Post coined NVIDIA as the kingmaker thanks to the AI boom. They mentioned them as one of the most valuable companies in the world. Uh, their market value surpassed $1 trillion. Now, AI hardware is being looked at as the beginning of a new market altogether with multiple startups joining the race. Now, what is shaping this trend? So with us today, we have Vinay. He's the CEO and founder of Aria AI. Hi, Vinay. Hey, Kitki. Hi, how are you? Good, good. How was your trip coming? How was your trip? Yeah, pretty good. Um, I've been traveling between uh, places. Uh, I'm also so uh, I'm also very excited about this because uh, we are launching our uh, uh, Aria Synthetics, right? Aria XAI Synthetics. Um, it will be very interesting to see how able um, you know maybe enterprises to launch uh, custom synthetic models, uh, running GPT two models or CityGAN models. Uh, so we are looking forward to it. That's great. Uh, so, uh, just quickly jumping to the topic. Uh, now, why is computing infrastructure important for AI? Uh, great. So, I think uh, compute is very fundamental to build uh, any machine learning uh, model. So, machine learning is nothing but a bunch of maths, right? Uh, and at, as the math become more complex, then you need a heavy uh, compute to able to calc make those many calculations. Uh, so that's why as, as the models becomes more complex uh, and as the data becomes more larger, so then you need more and more compute uh, to be able to enable uh, these models to execute these calculations uh, and then learn from these calculations. So in a way, uh, for me to build any kind of uh, great AIML model, uh, I would definitely need to have uh, data. Uh, but I also need to have a good compute infra with me or else I may be limiting in terms of what's the depth of these models or how much data that I can use, um, maybe uh, 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 you know in a batch or something like that. Uh, so these two are now uh, deciding factors in terms of building a good model. Okay, great. And uh, so the GPUs market, the graphic processing units market, it has gone tremendously in the recent years. And it's expected to reach about uh, uh, 200 uh, US billion dollars by 2029. So how have GPUs become important to AI? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because uh, uh, nobody has expected this 20, 25 years back. Uh, so uh, traditionally, uh, from a compute standpoint, CPUs are the standalone. So when researchers were building models, they were using CPUs to build models or to build any kind of uh, uh, mathematical functions. Uh, so NVIDIA actually introduced the GPUs around late 1990s uh, as, uh, as, as, as a uh, processor for uh, heavy gaming. Uh, because in gaming, because of the video throughput uh, and number of uh, frames that comes uh, in uh, gaming, so it required a lot of parallel processing. So NVIDIA launched this as an alternate uh, to uh, CPU uh, that works along with the CPU though. Uh, but uh, primarily focusing around uh, parallel processing as the key uh, criteria. Uh, so when uh, uh, in 20, uh, 2009s uh, around, uh, so that was the uh, very, very early or a beginning phase of uh, deep learning at that time. 
uh when i say deep learning i mean the new age deep learning uh, neural networks have been there for quite some time that's that's not the question but in 2009 uh, andrew ng uh, uh, reina and anand uh, from stanford uh, published a paper where uh, they used uh, gpus uh, and uh, created a neural network of close to 100 million parameters uh, this is a very simple neural network four layer neural network but they demonstrated that they could actually create a very large model uh, on a gpu and incidentally uh, during uh, in the next year uh, uh, people uh, used uh, you know, cnns uh, for an mnist data mnist data is the numerical data so they used convolution neural networks uh, to build a classification uh, model so 29 uh, a brief introduction about deep learning with a larger models on gpus uh, 2010 Uh, uh people used cnns more complex neural networks uh, on uh, uh, for uh, mnist data uh in 2011 yan uh, lakun uh, and other researchers from new york uh, and yale university they actually created a custom fpga a smaller one uh, where it's not exact uh, similar to gpu uh, where there is a lot of parallel processing uh, and they were building uh, actually more complex uh, deep learning model uh, so this was being used for uh, object segmentation in a video or uh, in a streaming video for example uh, so it's it's a progression actually so the introduction of deep learning came into play uh, early use of uh, gpus uh, was demonstrated in 2009 2010 uh, and the networks uh, becoming more complex uh, the breakout point was actually in 2012 uh, when alex uh, uh, and uh, jeffrey uh, and elia uh, those three are pretty much you know very well known in the deep learning community uh, so they created this uh, cnn architecture uh, for imagenet competition so imagenet is uh, classically uh, an image classification problem uh, you have uh, 1000 odd classes uh, a lot of training data and you need to build a model to classify uh, these images so when they used uh, cnn's a larger uh, neural network uh, and trained so much of data on this gpus uh they actually demonstrated that this model uh, can actually outperform any other model uh, uh, that was being used uh, uh, using classic machine learning and all of that so this is actually the breakout point so um, this network that they created is very very famous uh, called alexnet uh, i'm sure everybody who has heard about deep learning or who was working on deep learning uh, would have used alexnet in one way or the other uh, not so much these days but uh, early days alexnet is the standalone neural network that we used to use for computer vision tasks and and it's it's kind of progression right so uh, uh, you know so gpus introduced in uh, late uh, 1990s uh, but it took 10 years uh, to come up with a concept where people uh, imagining more complex neural networks uh, because uh, uh, they were using gpus as a base uh, and then within 2 3 years some amount of time they were able to build a larger model and uh, gpus became the base for it uh that kind of broke out uh, uh uh gpus being one of the key uh, uh you know hardware components for uh deep learning models uh if you look at this progression uh, in fact cnns being one of the early architectures for deep learning uh, they were actually introduced in late, uh, early 1990s by yan lokun uh so none of this was new per se uh, but all uh, three of them uh, enough data enough compute and enough uh, complexity of the models uh, kind of uh, came together uh at around 2010s uh that's when deep learning uh, kind of blown and the uh, big as 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 these uh, neural networks became larger and larger neural networks uh, gpus became uh, the standalone hardware where people are building uh, complex neural networks today
uh that's quite interesting and it would be uh you know fascinating to see how this trend is changing since it has taken a decade for the to reach where we are today and uh, since we are speaking about the market uh which companies are working in the uh, ai hardware space and how are they building it exactly oh um i would imagine every tech player would have an ambition to uh, create their own custom silicon um this is going to become more and more prominent as the models become larger and as the data becomes more and more uh it becomes quite expensive uh, to train them to host them or 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 even uh, info them right uh so the organic uh, um, transition is uh, using uh, a standalone uh, using a horizontal hard- hardware which is maybe uh, uh, you know gpus for example but as their investment becomes more and more as the demand becomes more and more everybody wants to transition uh, and build their own custom silicon uh this is the trend that we have seen also uh in early running era which is 2010s 2015 for example uh so computer vision task speech recognition recommendation systems pretty much most of the complex problems were being addressed by using deep learning uh networks uh which required gpus so that became quite expensive and people started realizing that it is becoming expensive so uh players like for example uh facebook now meta uh actually created an uh, open source architecture uh, a hardware architecture architecture de- design called bixer uh, that uses gpus uh, to improve model training while that was kind of uh, using gpus as a base now uh, there is a rumor that they are working on uh, their own custom silica uh, with a new uh, project name called uh, mtia metia uh, if if i'm not wrong it's called uh, meta training and inferencing accelerator uh next for example if you look at microsoft uh being uh, one of the large cloud players and also search providers uh they have more significant gain by building custom silicon uh and they are not new uh, with ambitions to build custom silicon uh they had a journey in 2020 uh, 2010 actually uh they started the journey of building custom hardware and around 2018 uh they they launched a project name if i'm not wrong called uh, project brainwave or catapult uh where they deployed an fega architecture around the neural networks uh for search and image processing uh they claimed that uh, dpus uh, which is uh, uh, deep learning processing units uh were a lot more efficient uh, uh, as com- uh, they are pretty much a modified fpgas um, much better performance as compared to gpus now uh, they are using uh, gpus heavily for uh, the entire uh, their entire llm strategy or generative ai uh, strategy uh, which is massive from a compute uh, uh, requirement standpoint right uh, now they started with a new project called uh, ethna uh, where they are building custom hardware uh, along with uh, industry partners like amd and arm etc uh, i'm sure they would uh, they would want to productionize this some point of time in next 2 to 3 years uh but they are already in that uh, journey uh next is for example if you look at aws uh, aws again uh, being a leader in uh, cloud compute uh so they had been uh, trying to build custom silicon for quite some time in uh, 2019 uh, they actually launched a custom silicon for inferencing uh, called aws uh, infernatia uh, followed by uh, trainium in 2020 for training so these are trying uh, these are trying to compute with gpus uh, directly but the problem is uh, the support for different model architectures 
in fact, let me quickly see if I have uh, the support architecture diagram. Um, yeah, I have it now. So let, I'll shoot it on the screen. But yeah, so this is a documentation for um, uh, 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 Trainium. Uh, so Inferentia and uh, Trainium. So these are the two hardware architectures that they're trying to build. So you could see, uh, you know, what is the architecture they are, they are supporting uh, and what is there in the roadmap. So I would say they are still uh, very early at the moment, um, but they are in that journey. Uh, uh, I'm sure they would have ambitions uh, to productionize this uh, quicker. Uh, compared to all of them, actually, uh, Google had a better success uh, uh, as compared to them. Uh, so around 2015, uh, they created this project uh, where they were using something called uh, TPUs. Uh, which is now a very standardized term in uh, uh, hardware. Uh, TPUs, uh, so they uh, they are the creators of TensorFlow. So they created custom uh, hardware, uh, which supports TensorFlow. Uh, in 2015, they have been using them uh, internally, but the public launch of these uh, TPUs happened in uh, 2018. Uh, and now for many of their internal uh, projects, uh, for example, uh, you know, it, it could be, uh, uh, it could be recommendation models or uh, or, or transformer models, for example. So they are actually using uh, TPUs today. So they published uh, a uh, uh, consumption architecture for this. Um, in fact, this paper is very recently published by uh, Google uh, as part of their uh, TPU version 4 launch. Uh, so the consumption rate for these TPUs is, is actually going up and up. Uh, so the, uh, the recommendation model used to take uh, a lot of compute uh, uh, earlier. Uh, now, transformer models are taking a lot of consumption at this point of time. And uh, TPU4, which is the latest version of TPUs, uh, yet to be launched uh, for uh, enterprises, uh, but they have been using it internally uh, since 2022 already. So they were proven to be 1.2x to 1.7x faster than uh, the classic uh, GPUs, which is uh, A100s, for example. Uh, and they're supposed to be power efficient as well. So this is, uh, these are now launching for uh, enterprise users pretty soon. Uh, uh, and, uh, and and, and I'm, I'm sure they would want to expand the uh, scale for this uh, further and further going forward. Uh, so while these are the traditional players, there are also players like, for example, Tesla. Uh, so Tesla also uh, trying to build, uh, they, they are building their own custom hardware called uh, Dozo. Uh, in fact, I remember there is uh, uh, there is there is an uh, investor call where Elon uh, mentioned that they are only trying to build the custom hardware because Nvidia was not able to uh, you know cope up with the demand. Uh, that's the kind of demand that we see for these uh, custom hardware. Uh, while we talked about you know more or less like an enterprise use case of hardware, uh, there is also a lot of demand for uh, customer use cases, right? Uh, B2C use cases, for example, mobile. Uh, mobile is a classic exam, uh, classic compute unit uh, that uh, uh, many of us carry in our uh, hands. Uh, so one of the known places is definitely Apple. So uh, what Apple is doing is extremely uh, interesting. So they moved away from uh, classic Intel uh, and NVIDIA GPUs. Uh, they launched M1 chips uh, uh, a couple of years back. Uh, the current version of M2 chips is quite uh, 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 you know, quite uh, uh, good. Uh, in fact, in June this year, they launched M2 Ultra uh, with a unified memory of about 196 uh, GB. That's massive, massive amount of memory. Uh, even though it's a unified memory, that, that still means that I could actually post uh, or use them to infer uh, a very large model, for example. Uh, 
but from a training perspective uh, or even inferencing speed perspective uh, these are not comparable to even 4090s uh, rtx 4090s uh, but they have uh, they are making a tremendous fo uh, focus uh, and uh, uh, they are trying to make this uh, usable even for machine learning problem statements as well uh, and then you have uh, people like uh, for example uh, uh, amd uh, AMD is uh, well known in the retail area. So they released MI250s uh, and now they're launching MI300s. Uh, MI250 is, you know, kind of comparable to A A100s. Uh, and MI300 and MI300X uh, is supposed to be better than uh, H100s. Uh, H100s are uh, the GPUs uh, from NVIDIA, uh, new GPUs from uh, NVIDIA. Uh, so all of this is very interesting, uh, but the leader is definitely NVIDIA, of course. Uh, and while everybody is catching up, uh, NVIDIA is way ahead in terms of uh, their uh, product uh, or uh, their uh, focus around uh, deep learning uh, with a new focus around generative AI. Uh, in fact, uh, SIGGRAPH uh, that, uh, that, that, that was conducted in August uh, in Vegas, uh, they launched a new architecture called uh, GH200 uh, that actually has uh, close to 282 GB of uh, uh, memory uh, on uh, HBM3E standard, uh, which means uh, I could actually, uh, again, host a very large language models uh, uh, entirely on GPUs. Uh, with, with with the kind of uh, architecture speech that they have on training, uh, this could be very, very interesting for them as well. Uh, so in short, um, you know, uh, the industry itself is catching up with uh, this demand around uh, uh, AI. Um, and every other tech player is trying to figure out how they can build their own custom silicon. While I talked about a lot of examples around large established players, uh, there are a bunch of startups who are focusing on this problem as well. Uh, for example, Cerebrus. Uh, I remember talking to uh, a Cerebrus uh, uh, founder uh, almost early 2017, 2018, uh, when they were yet to launch their first product. Um, uh, I remember the first uh, prototype, which was massive in terms of space. It was a big, big uh, uh, server that was almost like a, you know, like a window AC kind of uh, uh, space. Uh, but they scaled very well. Uh, since uh, 2015, uh, they raised close to 720 million uh, in uh, funding. Uh, their new product, which is uh, Cerebra CS2, uh, uh, wherein they created a supercomputer called CG1. Uh, that actually links 64 different uh, CS2s uh, to create a supercomputer uh, that is capable enough of uh, four exaflops. Uh, so it's a massive computer. Uh, so they are doing it for one of the vendors in Saudi Arabia, if I'm not wrong. Uh, so the startups are also picking up and startups are also participating in this game of building custom hardware or, uh, uh, you know, hardware, uh, hard, hardware isolators or AI isolators that we call it as, uh, specific to machine learning uh, uh, in this case. Uh, I'm sure there would be a lot more players going forward. Um, and uh, I have mentioned uh, NVIDIA and uh, AMD. Um, one of the names that uh, obviously is missing is Intel. Uh, Intel is coming up with uh, Gaudia, uh, if I'm not wrong, if, if, if I spelled it correctly. Um, they're also now competing with uh, A100s. Uh, they already have done a benchmarking in ML Infer. Uh, benchmarkings. Uh, I'm sure they will uh, they will uh, try to catch up with this kind of uh, pace as well. Um, interesting. I think there are a lot. Of, I think considering the demand, there definitely would be a lot of uh, small and large players as well. Uh, we will have to see how the market is taking shape. 
now according to you uh, what's going to happen in the ai hardware space okay uh, i mean uh, the architecture redesign and uh, uh, increasing number of transistors in this, in, in a chip uh, that is obvious a trend that we are seeing anyways but uh, let's try to understand what exactly is happening with uh, ai and uh, uh, hardware right um, meaning where are the gaps that we, uh, that we see today so if you actually look at the gpu progression uh, uh, let me show a quick uh, graph yeah so this graphs uh, plots between uh, the compute versus the bandwidth memory bandwidth uh, so if you see the compute here is pretty much uh, you know coping up in fact going beyond the moore's law whereas if you look at the memory bandwidth it's trying to catch up uh, with uh, the moore's law so this is where we see a lot of opportunity while um, while we see that uh, there is uh, increase in compute uh, but uh, the memory bandwidth is where there is a lot of challenges today so for if if you look at llms as a case study so if i want to serve a production customer uh, with a speed at which a human could read text uh, which is you know more or less around 33 tokens per second uh, so let me show a quick graph again yeah so um, you know if you look at dense llms uh, memory bandwidth of this much uh, and uh, if 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 i have a, a 1 trillion param uh, kind of model uh, even if i combine 8 uh, 8 8h100 it's not enough to produce 33 tokens uh, per second so uh, everybody is focusing around to increase the model size right so they wanted to build a bigger and bigger and bigger and model size but do we have the compute that is good enough uh, to support that much amount of uh, uh that much amount of memory requirement the answer is actually no um in fact even if you look at uh, cerebrus uh, 2.5 million wafer scale chips uh has only 40 gb of sram on the chip so imagine what kind of models that you can put uh, uh on as is into the uh, nvidia gps uh, gp uh, sorry uh, as is in these uh, gpus for example uh if you compare even nvidia's trend uh in 2016 p100 gpus as compared to 2022 h100 uh there is a only 5x increment in memory capacity so memory has increased from 16 gb in p100 uh, to 80 gb in one, uh, h100 uh whereas the compute speed on uh, f uh, fp16 performance uh is actually 46 times so uh, you know the memory is only 5x whereas the compute is 46 times so this is what creates a lot of challenges uh, if i want to build a larger models uh and and try to optimize the hardware on top of it and now uh, let's look at the training cost of these large models for example today uh so let me show a benchmarking here uh so here this is a quick benchmarking on estimation in terms of uh, for different different models uh, given the token size if you use a1 a100 uh, what is the training cost uh, times uh, something like mosaic gpt 30 billion uh, model uh the training uh, given that uh, they are using 800s sorry a100s uh the training cost is around 300000 whereas if you look at uh, google palm uh, it's around 6.7 uh, million dollars uh, to train this model uh, where uh, they have 550 billion params uh, trained on 780 uh, billion tokens now theoretically let's scale this uh, uh, right uh, uh, you can use chinchilam uh, benchmarking so now if i want to build something like 1 trillion parameters uh, with a size of uh, 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 with, with, with trained on 21 uh, billion tokens 
uh, it is going to cost me 300,000, uh, uh, $300 million uh, to actually uh, train this kind of models. Uh, so, which is nothing but, uh, you know, I would probably require 100,000 A100s. Uh, uh, even if I use 100,000 A100s, it would take almost three months uh, to train this model. And if I use a 10 trillion parameter model uh, using A100s, it will cost me almost uh, $28 billion. Uh, this is absolutely uh, unrealistic, right? Uh, to be able to uh, to be able to scale my model to that range that I could support and train on very large uh, uh, set of uh, models. So, hence, uh, but uh, is it is it the problem of uh, the hardware only? Actually, the answer is no. So, for example, if you look at the efficiency metric of uh, this hardware, so Mosaic has actually published uh, the efficiency metrics of these uh, hardware. Uh, so you, Mosaic ML is 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 founded by uh, uh, you know the ex co-founders of Nirvana Systems uh, that is now by uh, Databricks. So we are using Mosaic as a benchmark uh, in in multiple statements that we are doing today because uh, they do a lot of uh, investment around uh, software optimization for uh, hardware and uh, training and all. So what they observe is uh, if you use Mosaic ML stack, uh, they have achieved 70% hardware flops utilization and 53% uh, model flops utilization on A100. So HFU and MFU will give you an estimation in terms of uh, what is the optimization that you have achieved on the hardware. So for example, let's say I have so much of uh, exaflops compute with me but I could only use 70% when it comes to hardware uh, hardware flops uh, and 53% uh, for uh, model flop utilization. Uh, even if you use uh, NVIDIA's Megatron uh, LLM, uh, which, had, uh, which, which only has 52% uh, HFU and 51% MFU. So, which means that uh, while the scope, uh, one scope is to increase the exaflops, second opportunity is definitely increasing the efficiency of using this hardware. Uh, that's where we see a lot of uh, opportunities uh, uh, these days. Uh, and that's why Mosaic ML, what Mosaic ML is doing is quite interesting, right? Um, in fact, I uh, uh, I know that they published a blog around uh, how they deployed uh, model training on uh, uh, AMD uh, 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 servers, uh, which is on uh, MI250s. So as the Mosaic ML stack is uh, uh, kind of generalized enough, uh, so they were able to actually train the models uh, on MI250s uh, with pretty much no change in uh, code. Uh, uh, so that's quite interesting because uh, now I could actually run these models between hardware, uh, at least theoretically, using uh, using frameworks like uh, Mosaic ML, for example. Uh, so this is this is important, uh, and uh, uh, this is becoming a growing area of research for many people. So Py what PyTorch 2 has done. Uh, or uh, OpenAI has created a new product called uh, uh, Triton. Uh, so what uh, they did was uh, they actually take the Python code directly and feed it into a Python uh, inductor stack, uh, such that uh, the Triton actually converts the input into, uh, it's, it's called as a LLVM intermediate representation uh, and generates the code, uh, which can directly inject into GPUs without the need for uh, CUDA. So CUDA is a very, uh, uh, you know, very well-established ecosystem, right? If I, uh, and NVIDIA's biggest asset is actually CUDA. Uh, if I could actually build a stack where I don't need to use CUDA, but I can create an independent stack uh, and that can work on uh, multiple GPUs, not just from NVIDIA, but also from AMD as well, then it's going to become quite interesting. 
then I could actually migrate my models from one hardware to another hardware uh, quite uh, easily. So this is becoming actually a lot more uh, interesting uh, from uh, AI hardware perspective. It's actually not the hardware, but the stack that is running the hardware is going to be really interesting uh, from my point of view. Uh, great. Uh, so I'm just uh, quickly uh, diverting the topic towards uh, climate change and uh, carbon emissions. So how carbon positive are these? Oh, okay. Um, I think not much. Uh, so uh, uh, being carbon positive is one of the uh, uh, needed things in the recent times. Uh, I'm sure there is a lot of debate uh, going forward. As, as we are building larger modules, we require larger compute. Then the debate will be around, does it uh, make sense uh, to train such a large models? Uh, one, given the cost. Second, uh, given the uh, carbon emissions that have. Uh, so I'll give a quick benchmark. Uh, so there is an article that uh, that tried to benchmark what is uh, the consumption, uh, uh, how carbon positive, or uh, or what is the consumption uh, of of, uh, of of these uh, model trainings. Um, so let's say you are training something like GPT three model uh, in Azure, uh, which is based on South Africa West. Uh, it is estimated that uh, it is going to consume around two hundred tons of uh, uh, CO2. Uh, uh, tons kgs uh, CO2 to train uh, one GPT-3 model, which is quite large. And to give you a reference, uh, that is equivalent to around 345 flights uh, in US, uh, around 40 cars uh, uh, driving in a year, uh, around uh, 13 uh, American annual emissions or 50 non-American annual emissions. Um, this is going to be quite large, right? Uh, if, if, if one GPT-3 model training looks like this, Imagine how many people are training their own models. Uh, and imagine how many times that you have to train these models to get the final output, for example. Uh, of course, this metrics is skewed uh, for a location. Uh, they actually did a benchmarking across uh, different data centers located in different locations because certain data centers would be very optimally uh, ran uh, uh, from a carbon emission standpoint. Uh, certain data centers may not be uh, that optimized. So for example, if you look at G, uh, GCP uh, cloud uh, in Europe West, which is well optimized, uh, the estimation is only four uh, tons of CO2 uh, emissions. Whereas um, very less uh, effective uh, uh, data center like Azure in South Africa West, for example, uh, the consumption is going to be around uh, 200 uh, uh, tons of uh, CO2 emissions. Uh, so, um, I mean, it's, it, it, it has to be uh, uh, taken care of in one way or the other. Um, I think I remember what Llama 2 has done, uh, what Meta has done when they published uh, the Llama 2 model. Uh, they actually disclosed uh, the carbon emission metrics and what they have done to offset it. Um, uh, it would be really good and nice to see if, uh, if any uh, entity who is looking at building or optimizing LLMs uh, also publish this uh, metrics in terms of what is their carbon emission and what are they doing from uh, offsetting uh, such uh, emissions. Uh, I mean, it should not be like, uh, 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 you know, what we have seen in uh, crypto mining, uh, where uh, it was heavily criticized. Uh, uh, in, in this case, uh, it, it, uh, uh, model training and AI should not uh, welcome such kind of uh, uh, criticism for it. Uh, so to prevent that, um, it's 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 in the hands of uh, the builders 
who are using such a large compute uh, and building large models uh, should have to act on uh, how uh, what their carbon emission strategy is as well. Oh, wow. Uh, considering the examples that you shared here, uh, definitely the organizations will have to start addressing uh, uh, the climate change and the environmental sustainability. Uh, so coming back to the topic again, so uh, what are your closing observations on AI accelerators? Um, I mean, uh, uh, the demand to use compute is growing multiples pretty much every year. Um, in fact, let me show a quick graph. So that, that, that will give you in terms of, you know, how quickly we have scaled our compute just because uh, we are training larger and larger models. So this is a quick graph. And in fact, there is a paper published uh, as well. Uh, uh, so this actually benchmarked uh, how the compute requirements have been changing from time to time. Uh, so if you look at this, you could see that from uh, 1950 to 2010s, for almost 60 years, uh, the doubling time of compute was around 21 months, which is every two years, uh, we were doubling our compute requirement. Whereas from 2010 to 2022, which is the early decloning era, uh, the compute has uh, uh, the compute doubling is happening within six months time period. Whereas uh, from uh, uh, the large model trend, which is necessarily started from 2015, 2014, more or less around that time period, uh, the doubling time is around 9.9 months. Uh, I'm sure this is back to the earlier criteria of 5.7 months now, uh, because everybody is now looking to build such a large uh, models, uh, train on uh, large data uh, and, and own the IP of uh, the LLMs, for example. I'm just taking an LLMs as an example because this is very much uh, on demand at the moment. Uh, there are multiple other use cases where you need heavy computing. For example, recommendation systems or video processing, speech uh, processing. You require a lot of compute there as well. Uh, fraud detection systems, transactional monitoring systems. Uh, you require large computing uh, in all these use cases for sure. Uh, but with every new use case that is going to uh, that that's taking a tremendous usability uh, uh, usage uh, traction. For example, LLMs has gained a large amount of usage traction in the last one year. Uh, in next couple of years, there could be another use case uh, which is again uh, from uh, AI, uh, which could have a revolutionary use case that again requires a huge amount of compute. Right? Uh, this is what I'm saying. So there is more and more mature use cases being coming every four or five years nowadays. In the last 15 years, uh, we have a revolutionary use case in every five years. Uh, uh, maybe that will uh, that will speed up uh, becoming two, three years itself. So with so much happening around such a large compute requirement, uh, the demand for AI accelerators is only going to grow forward uh, 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 and more and more and multiples. Uh, the demand is not just on training this large models, but also on inferencing, right? Uh, so far, we talked about a broad use case spectrum of uh, an enterprise use cases. Uh, but let's look at the retail use cases, meaning B2C use cases. Uh, for example, there are more use cases that are coming uh, on, on mobiles as well, uh, from your image cropping to image enhancement, uh, background renewal, uh, speech uh, processing, uh, assistance, for example. Uh, now, the handheld devices that everyone uh, is, is carrying, 
uh, it requires more and more uh, processing uh, capacity uh, to able to onboard such kind of nuanced use cases. Um, so this is going to be an extremely interesting area. Uh, I believe that uh, you know such kind of in uh, such kind of technological revolution uh, around uh, around one standalone uh, area like AI hardware, computers, uh, automobiles, for example, or aerospace. Uh, uh, these are generational defined uh, uh, use cases uh, and opportunities. Uh, AI hardware is one of one of that opportunity, and I believe it's just started. Uh, we are we are, we are only fifteen years, ten years. Uh, from a deep learning life cycle, right? Uh, uh, so we, we we still have another 20, 30 years uh, from a typical uh, technology uh, cycle standpoint. Um, so, uh, and and for everything that we are going to see uh, going, uh, going forward, uh, AI hardware is, 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 is at the key uh, place uh, to enable that. Um, currently, NVIDIA is definitely the front runner, uh, but I'm sure the industry is catching up a lot. Uh, uh, from uh, the hardware stack or even the software stack, for example, uh, uh, there could be an intersection uh, in, in both of them, uh, which could actually democratize the demand uh, to, uh, to more number of players. Uh, currently, it's kind of heavily uh, you know, monopolized, uh, uh, but uh, I would really appreciate and see uh, uh, you know, uh, when there are more players that are participating in this kind of opportunity, uh, because monopoly means um, it's it's not only challenging from a demand addressing standpoint, but also from geopolitical uh, standpoint as well. Uh, I'm sure. I, I think it already became a geopolitical issue uh, for Nvidia uh, uh, or some of these custom uh, uh, hardware players to sell it to certain geographies already. Uh, that's a different topic, anyway, Chris. Uh, but NetNet, a very interesting area. The demand is only going to grow. Uh, currently, there are uh, there is only one uh, leader at the moment. Uh, there would definitely be more leaders coming in going forward. Uh, plenty of opportunities for everyone who is looking at this problem. Uh, great. Uh, thank you, Vinay, for the wonderful insights. I'm sure the audience has thoroughly enjoyed it. And also a big thank you to our audience for tuning in for this session. Uh, we look forward to see you all for our session three, uh, which uh, is announced on our website. Uh, we will be talking about the complexities of IP in AI and also the future of AI regulations. So we look forward to see you at that session as well. Uh, thank you once again. Awesome. Thanks, guys.